my name is Steve. Uh, thanks so much for being here tonight. Uh, if this is your first time at Chi Alpha, we'd just like to thank you for coming and uh, just welcome you and uh, say thank you for being part of the family and uh, thank you for being part of what we're doing here tonight. Uh, my wife's name is Erin. She is in the back, right back there. Hi, wow. Looking beautiful as ever. So say hello to her if you've not met her yet. Uh, we're going to jump into things tonight. Tonight, I want to I want to talk about uh, about friendship and the power of of healthy friendship, the power of community in our lives. And uh, how many people in here uh, have friends? Raise your hand. All right. Don't look around if someone's not raising their hand. All right. If someone's not raising their hand, they look very sad and dejected. Go talk to them after after we get done here and say hello. Uh, friendship is fun, right? Friendship is powerful. We all have, uh, I believe we're all born with an inner desire, right? An inner drive to for community, an inner drive to uh, to have, obviously, relationship in our lives, right? I think that's that's deep down, it's rooted in us. We don't, uh, we don't like to be lonely. We don't like to necessarily, some people are introverted, right? Any introverts in here? <laughs> some of you are like, I don't want to raise my hand. I'm an introvert, all right? Don't ask me to participate, Steve, all right? Uh, extroverts in here? <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can you can be quiet and be an, an extrovert actually. That's uh, but anyways, we're not going to go into that tonight. Uh, I I love my friends, right? My my dad. I don't know. I've given this piece of advice at Chi Alpha before. Uh, my dad had uh, a, some good advice for me when I was young. I was hanging out with my friend Tyler, and uh, Tyler and I were really good buddies and. Uh, and he he came up to me and, and well actually it was me and my friend Tyler Darren and Brandon and my my buddy his name was Kale and the four of us uh, yes his name was Kale all right his K A L E yes his name was Kale I've never met another Kale if there's another Kale in the room you have you've you've met a Kale oh that's great all right so uh, anyways so uh, the five of us were gonna get together and my dad said listen Steve he said I I trust you, and I trust you to make good decisions. And uh, I trust Tyler, and I trust Tyler to make good decisions. I trust all of you guys. You guys are all very smart. However, he said something happens when dudes get together, all right? He said every time you add a dude to a situation, the brain power does not double. It actually gets divided in half, all right? So every time you add a dude to the situation, it's not multiplication of brain power. It is division of brain power. And so he said, five of you are going to be hanging out this weekend, so just understand that you will be operating at 20% brain capacity, all right? And for all of you who uh, have ever done something stupid with some guys, you would know that there is truth in that statement, you know what I'm saying? Friendship is powerful. Friendship causes us to do weird things. I don't even know what girls do, all right, when they hang out together, uh, but I just, I just choose to just be like... I don't, I don't want to know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know what you talk about, which, whatever. But, like, uh, friendship is powerful. It causes us to do things that maybe we wouldn't normally do uh, in, in, in and of our own selves. It causes us to be brave. It causes us to branch out. It causes us to hopefully grow, right? Friendship is really, really powerful. And what I believe is that God designed friendship. He designed community for a reason. And he put in us a desire for community for a reason and for a purpose. And I believe that God designed our walks with him not to be done necessarily solo, but to be done together. And that's a really beautiful thing that he said, you know what, I want to 
I want to provide for you not just a relationship with me like we've been talking about in the, for the last two weeks about how we can have a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want to just provide that, but he says, he says, I understand that the journey is going to be a long one, it's going to be a hard one, and that it might help to have some people come alongside of you, which is pretty awesome. And so we're going to talk about that. And what, what I want to talk about tonight is not like a, a normal surface-level friendship. You know what I'm saying? Like a, like a normal just like, hey, here's my bro. We play video games together. And uh, the, the deepest our conversation has ever gone has been uh, whether or not you think Tom Brady is a good quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> we're not going there tonight, okay? We're not going there. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, we're not talking about friendships that we just say, oh, hi, I said hello to you at Chi Alpha tonight, and now I'm on my way. What I want us to explore tonight is the power of friendship that is deep, that is intimate, that is uh, that, that allows us to go to situations together in our lives that maybe we've never explored. We've uh, situations or, or our uh, hurt in our past to, to talk through things that maybe we've never talked about. Uh, with anybody before, to, uh, to, to step beyond our comfort zones in a way that we've never stepped beyond our comfort zones, and we're able to do it together. And this is one of the things that we're really passionate about in Chi Alpha. We, uh, we, we talk about Chi Alpha as a family, right? We, start, we say a lot that, like, when you're, here, uh, when you're here, we want you to feel like family. Uh, fellowship and, and discipleship are part of our core convictions in Chi Alpha, and, uh, and so we believe in doing life together. And so this is why I love talking about this at the, at the beginning of the year. And so we're going to look at, uh, at kind of like what I would call the, the signature uh, friendship in the Bible. Uh, there was two guys. Uh, their names were David and Jonathan. And we find them in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20. And 1 Samuel is a book in the Old Testament, meaning that this is before Jesus came. It's towards the beginning of your Bible, probably about a fifth of the way through-ish. Uh, but first, cha first Samuel chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles in the back. You can grab one, uh, and, uh, and we'd love to give you one uh, tonight. But in, uh, So David and Jonathan, uh, how many of you guys have heard the story of David and Goliath? Okay, Or at least maybe while watching ESPN, you hear someone say, David and Goliath matchup. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so David and Jonathan, this is David of David and Goliath. And so David is this like hardcore warrior dude. He killed a giant. He kills a ton of enemies. He's like a warrior. Everybody loves him. They're singing songs about him. All right. The chicks dig him. They're like just, you know, like David is the man. All right. And he's got this buddy. His name is Jonathan. And Jonathan is the son of the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, his name is Saul. The problem is, is that David is becoming really, really popular. In fact, he's becoming so popular that he's actually more popular than the king himself. And so the king Saul gets really jealous of David and ends up getting so jealous that he wants to kill David and is plotting a way to be able to take David's life. Now, the problem is, is that obviously we have like a what we call maybe a, like a love triangle going on here. You know what I'm saying? So like, like obviously Jonathan is Saul's son. There's a relationship there. David and Jonathan are best friends. There's a relationship there. And Saul hates David's guts. This is an awkward situation. You know what I'm saying? So David comes up 
to Jonathan, he's like, yo, bro, there's something going on right now. Your dad is psycho, and he wants to kill me, all right? Now, I don't know if you've ever had problems with your friends, all right? I've never had this big of a problem with a friendship, all right? I've never been like, yo, Tyler, buddy, your, your dad Wayne? Yeah, he wants to kill me. He, I've never had to do that. So I don't know what this would have been like, but uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But uh, uh, so so what, what what is happening here is is Jonathan says, no, 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 there's no way. I, I don't believe it. Like, there's, I don't think so. I think you're over-exaggerating, David. I'm going to do some some super sleuth work here. I'm going to get to the bottom of this, and, uh, and I'm going to report back to you. He said, in the meantime, just go hide. And uh, and so that you don't end up dead, and I'm gonna go try to figure out what what's what's my dad's deal, all right? But I'm gonna talk to him. I bet you I bet you it's not as bad as what you think, all right? And so that's where we pick up in verse 31 of chapter 20, and it says this. Now he well before we get there, so he goes to his dad. Jonathan goes to his dad Saul, and he says, "Listen, Dad, uh, so uh, you know." David's not coming by tonight or whatever. And his dad kind of explodes and has a temper tantrum. And he says this, as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, or in other words, David, David was the son of Jesse. Okay. As long as David lives on earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him to me for he must die. Why? That's pretty serious. Why? Should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. This is, a, this is they got problems, all right? This is a dysfunctional family, all right? Now, now, listen to this, this last line. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> super sleuth, you know? <laughs> like, I figured out the mystery, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wow, I could be on CSI or something like that. Like, good job, Jonathan. <laughs> you put the puzzle pieces together. <laughs> wow, you're so perceptive. Okay, so in verse 34, Jonathan got up at the middle of the table in, or at the table in fierce anger. On the second day of the month, uh, and on that second day of the month, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. Okay. So fast forward, they're going to have this meeting. They have this, like, secret code set up. It's kind of cool. But in verse 40, uh, 41, it says this. It says, Then uh, David got up from the south side of the stone where he had been hiding and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Essentially, they were saying goodbye. Jonathan knew that he had to leave. And that he was hurting that he had to leave his friend. Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. Saying the Lord is, uh, is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. The crazy part about this story is that Jonathan actually had a lot to gain from David dying. You see, David was growing in such popularity, and he had been anointed by God as the next king of Israel. If David ended up killed, the, like, natural tendency or the natural thing to do would be to give Jonathan, the son of the king, the throne. Jonathan had a lot to gain from David dying, and Jonathan could have been jealous of David. 
In fact, if I were in Jonathan's situation, I probably would have been pretty darn jealous of David. And yet friendship, the depth of this friendship broke and, and, and trumped all of those jealousies, all of that pride, all of those natural tendencies and earthly tendencies. There's power in this. There's power in this friendship that we see. David and Jonathan give us a great example of what God-centered, God-focused, God-ordained friendship can have the power to do. And I believe that God desires this for every single one of us. And tonight I want to share three things. I'll call it the three C's of powerful friendship. Uh, just thought it would be easier to remember, that's all. All right, so three C's of powerful friendship. The first one is really important. In fact, if we don't understand this, the entire thing kind of falls apart. First one is this, is common focus. Common focus. So we have to understand that the reason uh, friendship is just friendship if Christ isn't involved, okay? So as Christians, obviously we have a goal. We have a purpose, right? If we want to be a Christ follower, our goal is to follow Christ. And that's not always an easy thing, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But our focus of friendship needs to be Jesus, and it needs to be centered around Jesus. Now, friendship gets centered around a lot of different things, okay? Normally, friendship gets centered around common interests, right? The people who you have something in common with or have a common interest in, uh, you end up being friends with them. Sometimes friendship is, is centered around a common agenda. You both want to accomplish the same goal, and so uh, you, you, you do the same thing together or get involved in the same thing. Sometimes friendship has, uh, uh, you know, is centered around selfishness. You want to get something from the other person, right? Like, oh, so-and-so has a fishing boat. I'm going to be nice to them. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes friendships start that way. All right. Most of the time, friendship is centered around us having a desire to be accepted by another human being. That is why we reach out and have friendship, because deep down there is a desire to be accepted. However, the problem with having friendships be centered around anything but Jesus is that they become centered around a thing or a person, a human being. And Every single time something is centered on a human being, it will let you down. Why? Because humans aren't perfect. Humans are not perfect. If you center your life around a friendship, around a relationship, around a guy or around a girl, you eventually will be sorely let down because they're a human being. Even my own marriage, my world does not revolve around my wife. My marriage revolves around Jesus Christ. And yes, is Erin of the utmost importance? Yes, she is. Is she of the utmost priority in my life? Of course she is. But if I hinged my life on her, I would become sorely disappointed when she let me down. Making sense? So the, the, in order to understand powerful friendship the way God intended for it to happen, our friendships need to be centered around Christ. Otherwise, they'll be centered around people. And the beautiful thing that happens when Christ is involved in our friendships, when it's not just talking about 
the football scores, the weather, the news, the vi latest video game, the whatever it is, is this. In Matthew 18, 20, it says, Jesus himself says, wherever two or more gather in my name, I will be in their midst. So essentially, when we center our friendships around Christ, Jesus is involved in our friendships. And I think we get this all wrong sometimes. And I think that even as Christians, even, and you might be here tonight, and you might say, well, yeah, yeah, I love community. I love hanging out. But I think sometimes we can worship the wrong thing, and we can actually worship community rather than worshiping Jesus. And we can worship coming together and being like, I love Kai Alpha because I come in the room and I feel loved, and I, and I feel community, and I feel like I'm accepted and belong. All of those things are great. But unless they're focused on the purpose of bringing us closer to Jesus, they're actually a distraction, right? I can also say it like this. God does not put us in community for us to gain love and acceptance from people. He puts us in community to be reminded that we are already loved and accepted by him. Make sense? If you get into community be, to be loved and accepted by people, you will always be disappointed. I will let you down. Your small group leader will let you down. The person who invited you to Kai Alpha will let you down. Your roommate will let you down. Your best friend will let you down. But when we get into community to accelerate us to run towards Jesus as fast as we can, and as our eyes are focused, focused and fixed on him, we will never, ever be let down, for he will never leave us. He will never forsake us, right? That's the beautiful promise. So are we looking for something in friendship, or are we looking towards something in friendship? Again, I'm going to ask that again. Are we looking for something from friendship? Because I think a lot of times we look for something from friendship, right? But true, godly, Christian friendship says, I'm going to run alongside of you as we follow Jesus. And we're going to face battles together. And that's the second C of powerful friendship is common struggles. So we have a common focus, right? We want the same thing. I want God's best for your life. You want God's best for my life. I want you, you to walk in the fullness of your God-given destiny. And you want me to walk in the fullness of our God -given, my God-given destiny. Now we have to realize that, that there's going to be stuff that happens. There's going to be junk that comes up to avoid that. The reality of the situation is, is that when we decide to follow Jesus, there is a very real enemy. There's a very real devil that exists that does not want that to happen. He does not want you to receive the hope and the freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he comes against you. And he has come to kill you, to steal from you, and to destroy you. That is who he is. To the Bible says he is. And in Ephesians 6, chapter 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a struggle. And the good news is, is that Jesus, number one, has already won that struggle, but that he's also given us people around us to walk through those things together. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever been in a really tough situation before with a bunch of people? 
okay? And I'm not talking about, like, life tough, okay? We're just going to, like, you know, step away from some of that really quickly. I'm talking about, like, you were, like, caught on a mountain, and it's snowing, and you think you're going to die, or uh, you're, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, one of those situations. We all have a story like that, right? Like, I was going to die, and then we, this happened or whatever. Uh, this, uh, one of, one of my, my favorite people to adventure with in the world is my friend Paul. Paul is, a, uh, is a, uh, the Chi Alpha director up in Fairbanks. And uh, we try to go on a hunt together every single year. And it's just, whenever I'm with Paul, crazy, stupid stuff happens. So we decided to go on a moose hunt last weekend. So we're like, yeah, let's go. Woohoo, here we go, right? We've never been moose hunting before. Well, I have never been moose hunting before. He has. And so uh, we're, you know, putzing along. All of a sudden, we like it. it. It was a terrible day. It was just a terrible day, all right? Uh, so this is a summary of my day. In the morning, I got chased off a spotting knob by an old man and his posse, all right? Literally, I like we like go up to hunt in this spot, and this guy comes up with like four other four-wheelers. It's like, I've been hunting this knob for 20 years. It's like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> yep. So we're like, we're going to a different spot. So we head back down the hill. We bury the four-wheeler in quicksand, all right? Like, bury it in quicksand. There's no trees to winch through. There's like this tree long ways away. So we finally get the winch cable hooked up. It's like like six inches from being too far away. And we get the winch cable hooked up. The winch cable snaps, right? We had to saw down trees to like stick them underneath the tires to get traction. And as we're doing this, we are watching the four-wheeler sink into the quicksand further and further. All right, we finally get the four-wheeler out just to get back to almost run out of gas, get back to the truck, fill it up with gas to go to a completely different spot. We get all the way out there. We're, we're busting through these trees. We park the four-wheeler, and Paul's like, sounds like someone's smoking, right? We're like 12 miles away from the truck at this point. And, and we, uh, we <laughs> so Paul looks underneath the thing, and he like pulls out this stick, and it's like almost on fire, all right? It's like charred black. He's like, whoa, that was close, all right? So we, like, go look for a spotty knob. We're like, oh, yeah, we're going to set up the tent here. We might be able to glass over there. I turn around, and I go, Paul! And I run over the four-wheeler. The four-wheeler is on fire. I'm not kidding. It is on fire, all right? And we grab the water bottles out of our tote, and we're, like, splashing it on this thing. It was a scary situation, right? Literally, yeah, I mean, the, the switch, okay, the switch that, that turns the gas tank on, off and on was melted, all right? It was a really dangerous situation. Now, I tell that story uh, because uh, l- later that night, actually, we, we got a bear, which was pretty exciting. But, uh, but uh, what was important about that story was that I will, if, if everything went perfect on that hunt, I would n- probably not remember it 25 years from now. You know what I'm talking about? You see, there's something that happens when two people engage in common struggle that binds them together and makes a memory forever. I will never forget the four-wheeler being on fire 13 miles away from the truck. You know what I'm saying? Guys, common struggle is really, really powerful. And God has designed you to be in common spiritual struggle with those around you. And when you engage in this struggle that we call following Jesus, a powerful bond of friendship gets created. And I, 
And we all have those stories that we remember forever because of struggle. So I don't know what it is for you, but here's what the Bible says about how we are to commonly struggle together. The Bible says we are to carry each other's burdens. The Bible says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice, but to mourn with those who mourn. The Bible says that we are therefore to confess our sins to one another and to pray for each other so that we may be healed. You see, I think so many times we walk through struggle and we just kind of like hide it. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, if I told Dalton about the things I was struggling with, Dalton would probably judge me. And he wouldn't think that Steve was cool anymore, right? And he'd probably, he probably would never want to, and I, I know that this is an absurd example, but he'd probably never want to be my friend. We, we go through all of those things, right? He would probably never want to talk to me again. And you know what? Like, like, well, what does Dalton really know anyways? You know what I'm saying? Like, he probably wouldn't be able to help me. And I'm a tough guy. I can probably do this on my own. Right? You see, the enemy lies to us and says, no, no, this is your struggle. You deal with it. No one else is dealing with it. If you tell anybody else about it, you're going to be ostracized, cast aside, judged, whatever it is. And he gets us to be isolated from relationship. And just like a wolf that isolates a little calf caribou and picks it off from the pack, that's what the enemy tries to do to us. Right? Isolation is a powerful weapon of the enemy. The minute he can get us isolated and away from community is the minute that he can tell us whatever lie he wants to and probably get us to believe it. Because no longer, because I, I would go up to Dalton, I'd be like, yo, Dalton, this is what I'm struggling with. He says, Steve, that's, that's not truth. That's not who you are. That's not who Jesus made you to be. Jesus is bigger than that, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to walk through this with you. It's like, oh, that's right. You are right. Jesus is bigger than the fact that I am about to fail out of school. Yeah, yeah, you're right, right? Jesus is bigger than the fact that, I, that I've been struggling with depression. Jesus is bigger than the fact that I've been struggling with anxiety. Jesus is bigger than the fact, whatever it is that you want to insert there. But see, if I don't have someone to speak truth into my life, I start to believe the lies of the enemy. See, when we come together, we start to realize, when we start to co come together in common struggle, pretty soon, pretty soon we realize that, man, I'm not the only one who's dealing with junk. And I'm not the only one that's walking through these things. And there's some people that we can bear each other's burdens. And there's some people who want to come alongside of me. One of uh, my campus pastors, his name is Pastor Brad. And uh, one of Pastor Brad's favorite quotes is something that he's told Literally hundreds of people throughout the 20, well, 30 years of ministry now that he's been in, he would always say this. He, he, people would come to him, and they would, they would sit down on the couch in his office, and we actually, we called it the crying couch, all right? You'd get on Pastor Brad's couch, and it was just like, I don't know why I'm crying, you know? And it was just weird, right? There was like, there was like, the, the, like the presence of God was on that couch, and it was like, you will share everything, right? <laughs> strange. And every single time someone sat on Pastor Brad's crying couch, they would say the same thing. They'd say, they, they would feel the same lie. They would hear the same lie. There's no way Brad is ever going to want to talk to me again. 
And Brad would have the same response for every single student who ever sat down on that couch. He'd say, listen, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to walk through this with you. And for as long as you are struggling with this, I'm going to be by your side to see you through to the other side. See, that's common struggle. That's the power of community. That's the power of relationship and friendship. But we have a lot of things that stop us. For some people in here, we think, man, we, I just want to forget about the pain. I don't want to talk about, confess your sins to one another, confess things to one another. Steve, I don't want to bring that stuff up. I don't even want to think about it. I have, I have shoved it so deep that literally it is like so far back in my subconscious that to, to bring it back up would just create a really, really big mess. Maybe you're here tonight and you say that, well, I, I've tried this, Steve. I've tried this in the past, and I've gotten burnt. I've, 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 I, I tried to trust someone in my life, and they betrayed my trust, and now I have a fear of rejection. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling with what I call Alaskan syndrome. I'm an in strong, independent Alaskan, right? I can, I can do anything. Myself, you know what I'm saying? I've been hunting this now for 20 years, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, last time I checked, you did not own land in the preserve, all right, buddy? Sorry, all right? <laughs> that whole, sta you know, claiming state, you know, state claiming, that was a long time ago, pal. <laughs> you missed the gold rush by 100 years. So, anyways, uh but if you struggle with Alaska syndrome, you say, "Now nah, I can fight through this myself. I can do this myself. I can get it all together. A lot of times, to be honest with you, that attitude is actually rooted in an incredible amount of insecurity. And I know that's not easy to hear. That's not fun to hear. And I might be stepping on some toes tonight by saying that. But essentially, if, if you don't want to expose your weakness, if you're not willing to do that, the root of that is insecurity. And we mask it with a facade, a fake facade of security. I think some some people, maybe you've been a maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but you have found a way to avoid struggle by sitting in comfort. You have removed every relationship in your life that wants to battle towards Jesus with you. Ooh, yeah, I don't like what that person had to say. You know, Steve stepped on my toes a little bit too much. I'm not going to come back to Pi Alpha. I didn't really like what my small group leader talked about because that brought conviction. I'm not going to come back to small group. I met with that friend, and, 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 and we start talking about some things, and I didn't really like what they had to say. So I'm not, I, I mean, yeah, there might have been a little bit of truth to that, but that made me feel uncomfortable, so I'm probably never going to hang out with them I'm just going to kind of bounce around from thing to thing and have a bunch of surface-level Christian relationships so that no one needs to actually see what's going on inside of me. I know hundreds of people that do that for decades of their life. Guys, we're all struggling. The battle towards walking towards Jesus is not an easy one. We might as well do it together, right? And we might as well have some incredible memories of some putting out some four-wheeler fires together along the way, right? 
third thing, third C, is constructive encouragement. Constructive encouragement. So we have a common focus. We want to pursue Jesus, be centered around Jesus. We realize that there's going to be common struggle, and that's actually an okay thing. It's not a surprise thing. And then we have constructive encouragement. In other words, it's, it's not enough to just say, let's follow Jesus, and then let's just sit around and complain about how hard it is all the time. You know what I'm saying? And wallow in our struggles. We want constructive encouragement, meaning that we're going to move forward, right? I think that, that, that obviously, well, this is what we say in Chi Alpha. We say that I love you right where you're at, but I love you too much to see you stay there. I love you right where you're at, but I love you too much to see you stay there. In other words, you, man, you are accepted, and I understand that there are struggles in your life, but I know that God has something better, and so we're going to journey towards that together. Good community should launch us into the fullness of our God-given potential. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25 says, Let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and not giving up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any wholesome, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What we have to realize is that death and life are in the power of the tongue, the Bible says. Our words matter. We can speak life into each other. We can speak encouragement into each other. And constructive encouragement is encouragement that says, hey, I know God's got something better for you. This is what I see in your life. Even though you don't see it yet, this is what God sees and this is what I see, and I'm going to speak life into that. My small group leader, uh, Dave Leadall, was an expert at this. He would, he would speak things over my life that I was like, Dave, you're crazy. That's not me. I don't even know what you're talking about. But little by little, I started to believe the things that God said about me because Dave believed them about me, and he would speak them over my life. Are we surrounded with people in our lives that speak life, or are we surrounded by people in our lives that speak death? And sometimes life isn't necessarily what we want to hear. Sometimes people in our, that's why I say constructive encouragement, right? Constructive criticism, you know what I'm saying? Like, constructive encouragement means that sometimes, sometimes we, when we hammer a nail into something, it doesn't feel good. But it's necessary to support the structure of what is happening. Sometimes people in our lives, godly community says that, I, I love you right where you're at, but I love you too much to see you stay there. And so I'm willing to have a tough conversation with you. And I'm willing to say, you know what? There's something here that I believe God wants you to know, and this might not be fun to hear, but I believe that this is truth that needs to be spoken over your life. For some of you in here, the, the, the stop point for you is that you have not ever, you've not been able to receive encouragement or a compliment ever because of how low of a self-view you have of yourself. You, you can't even, when someone compliments you, you, you immediately go into this like inner battle and there's like this voice in your head that says, no, you, you, you big idiot. There's no way that that's true. You know that's not true. And you can't believe that. God wants to set you free tonight and he wants to speak 
Jesus wants to speak some life into you tonight. And he wants to bring people into your life that are going to speak life into you. Because what I want you to understand is that godly friendship isn't just about conforming the way you act, right? That old saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? Godly friendship isn't about conforming the way you act. It's about reminding us of who we are in Jesus. It's not conforming what you do. It's conforming who you are in Jesus Christ. That's Christ-focused, common struggle, constructive encouragement, friendship. And the worship team can come back up. I uh, want to close with, with a couple stories of, of friendships in my life in a season when, when uh, man, <laughs> so uh, I remember when I, uh, when, I first, uh, when I first got involved in Chi Alpha, uh, th- th- I did not have a single relationship in my life that went beyond, uh, really beyond the score of the Minnesota Twins game or the, Mi- or the Minnesota Vikings game, right? That was about it. And, uh, and so I, I'll never forget, I, I got invited by this guy named Dave Liedahl to, to go and, uh, and he's like, dude, you should come over to my house for steaks. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> I didn't know two dudes just like hang out and eat steaks together. I, I had no idea that that happened. It made me very uncomfortable. So what did I do? I invited my roommate with me. And so we, we went, and, and, and what I started to realize was that what Dave was trying to do is he was trying to form intentional, Christ-centered, Christ-focused, common struggle and constructive encouragement relationship with me to see me step into the fullness of my God-given destiny. But I didn't understand that at the time. And little by little, I started to see what was happening, and I started to see the change in my life. And pretty soon, this was something that I started to value. And I, I got to lead a small group in Chi Alpha. And in my small group, there's a couple guys that I just want to tell you about. The first guy, uh, his name is Jeff. And uh, there he is. So... Jeff, uh, Jeff's very dear to me. Jeff and I were in a small group together my first year of, uh, of leading a small group back in 2000 and, oh gosh, sometime in the 2000s. And uh, um, you know what's crazy is that I'll never forget watching Jeff go from someone who really didn't know who Jesus was, really didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, to watching Jeff uh, outside of Syme Hall on campus at North Dakota State University, confessed some things in his life that was going on that he had never talked to anybody about before, ever. And we sat, we cried together, we prayed together, and today, Jeff is still serving Jesus, is in the Air Force, and happened two years ago to get stationed in Anchorage, Alaska, and we get to hang out. (laughs) Ten years after we were in small group together, Jeff and I are still hanging out, I play with his kids, and, uh, and uh, we go fishing together. It was a friendship that was Christ-focused, that led to Jeff knowing Jesus. This is my friend Joel. Joel and I watch football together every single day. Like every day, all right? We watched ESPN together every day uh, in college. And uh, one day, uh, we, were ha- we had a small group Bible study in my dorm, and one day Je- uh, Joel... Uh, came to knock on my door, and he knocked on my door, and he opened up the door, and he was going to tell me about something that just happened in the sporting world. He opened the door, and he's like, hey, Steve, did you just hear? What's going on in here? 
<laughs> it's like, oh, it's like a small group Bible study. We talk about, you know, the Word of God and, and life and how it applies to our life. And, and uh, he's like, so can I can I be in it? He's like, like yeah. It's like, sweet. And he walked in and he just sat on the floor. <laughs> and, and he never left. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, he, and Joel is still doing small group today. In fact, he's uh, the small group coordinator and is in full-time ministry at a church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, this is Jordan. Jordan and I, uh, Jordan and I became friends because Jordan moved into the door next in the, the dorm next to me my freshman year, and J- and Jordan, uh, Jordan didn't know Jesus at all. Uh, would come to small group Bible study and and it was so fun, man. He would. He'd come to a small group Bible study, and, and he didn't know Jesus from a hole in the ground. And we loved him where he was at. And uh, Jordan would come, and and uh, he would talk about really controversial political topics, and, and uh, bring up all of this stuff. And uh, and and yeah, it was awesome. It was so fun. And uh, Jordan would, you know, Jordan really didn't understand like how to like act in church like some people do right so he'd like come to a small group he'd be cussing and swearing and all this stuff it was great it was awesome and Jordan Jordan ends up getting radically touched by God because he became friends with a bunch of dudes that love Jesus and Jordan's life completely turns around addiction in his life was set free an unhealthy relationship was ended and Jordan got called into ministry and is a pastor in Iowa today and uh, keep going. Uh, this is David. David uh, and his wife, Lindsay. David uh, was involved in a really rough crowd, like a really rough crowd. Grew up in church, but was involved in a really rough crowd. And and David showed up to small group one night. And, uh, and David just, man... He just wanted he wanted friendship. He wanted friendship beyond anything beyond any guy I've ever actually met. And uh, and I watched I watched David's life through a, just a simple friendship with David, complete a Christ focused relationship, completely turn his life around. And uh, and David is loving Jesus, serving Jesus. Lives in, in Colorado today and is a uh, is a city planner. And then this is uh, this is John, and John grew up in a home. That uh, yeah, there he is, John and Delinda. Uh, John grew up in a in a home that uh, went to church off and on, but John came to small group one night, and uh, and through through small group ended up the same thing because John wasn't like John wasn't like a drug addict. He wasn't like a like a crazy like he wasn't like crazy far away from God or anything like that. He just really didn't know what it meant to have a personal relationship. With and uh, through that year of small group, through that year of Christ's focus, constructive encouragement and common struggle relationship with other people, John started to understand what it meant to have a relationship with God. And uh, John and I are still friends today, and uh, John is serving as a missionary in India. And uh, guys, I... My, my life today, um, you know, the crazy thing is, is that in my life today, uh, when you get to a certain age, no one, like, no one, no one, like, comes up to you and is like, Steve, I'd really love to pray into your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you get to a certain age, people are like, yeah, they probably got it, right? 
Guys, this is something that I pursue with my life. Like I have people, I have dudes in my life that I that I text on a regular basis and I say, hey, we gotta go grab a cup of coffee and talk about life, spur each other on. And I don't say those things like, hey, we need to spur each other on towards love and good deeds, right? But I say, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee, sit down and talk about what's actually going on in our lives. Let's sit, let's cry together, let's pray together. I will never stop doing this until the day I die. Because God has designed us to do life together and to pursue him together. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to give us a chance to respond to this. If you're here tonight and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, say, I can't really focus on Jesus because I'm, I don't even know who he is. Or maybe you've had a relationship with him in the past and, and that's completely kind of fizzled out and not there anymore. And tonight you'd like to get your life right with Christ. Accept him as your Lord and Savior and ask for forgiveness of your sins. Just raise a hand in this place. Is that for anybody? Awesome. Anybody else? Okay. If you raise your hand to that question, I'm going to ask that you would pray this just simple prayer. Repeat this simple prayer in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that my sin has separated me from you. But tonight, I am accepting the forgiveness that was made available to me through your death on a cross. And I am accepting my new identity in you, turning away from my old ways, and asking for strength to live for you for the rest of my life. My second question is this, and we're going to take a chance to reflect on this just for a couple minutes here as the worship team plays. If you're here tonight, you've been listening to a lie that's kept you from community. You have low self-view, so you can't accept encouragement. You have fear of judgment or rejection. You've been burnt in the past. You want to forget all that stuff. You don't want to bring it back up with anybody. You don't want to talk about it with anybody. You're a loner. You, you struggle with independent Alaskan syndrome. Maybe you're that person who's been avoiding deep community or deep relationship for a really long time. You've just kind of been playing the game, avoiding tough conversations and tough situations and deep relationships. You don't have to deal with that. If that's you tonight, I'm just going to ask that you would bring that lie before the Lord and that you would say, God, heal me of this, whatever it might be. If you need prayer for any one of those things, we're going to be in the back to pray for you. There's going to be a group of people available for that. But let's just take a second to allow the Lord to do some healing on our hearts and open us to powerful friendship. Lord, be with us as we reflect.